Hello, welcome to this Torque Talk. What's going on? My name is Rich Ryan. This episode is very special. It's about me. And I had the unique and exclusive experience of being interviewed by our very own Aaron Rost, who is part of the Torque roster. So Aaron's going to be involved a little bit more on the content side of things in terms of podcast and written word on blog posts. And she just released an awesome blog post about the paradox of competing for Tough Mudders uh, on the OCR report, so link's right down below in the bio, so make sure you read that, but you're going to get a good sense of who Aaron is, as she has a, a, a tremendous thirst for knowledge, and has asked me some asked me some questions that I've actually never been asked before, and I really enjoyed talking with her. She did an amazing job, but really the idea behind this was to give you an insight on some of my training leading up to the upcoming DecaFit event, which is this weekend. We recorded this a couple weeks ago, so the time might be a little off on some of the things, but you'll get a good sense of the training that I was doing leading into it and some of the other uh, things in terms of like the development of reinforced running and the development of torque itself. And I just really had a great conversation with Aaron and, and I think you're going to really enjoy this. I hope you're going to really enjoy this anyway. So let's get to it. Here's Aaron Rost and myself. Hey Rich, how you doing? What's up Aaron? Thanks for joining or I'm joining you today. Yeah, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, the roles are reversed this time. That's right. <laughs> How's your week been? It's good. It's been pretty, pretty seamless. I mean, the weather. I know it's like talking about the weather isn't like the coolest thing, but when it the weather turns in the northeast, like everybody is just better. Like the sun yeah. came out and my mood changed instantly. Yeah, and I, I realized how bad of a mood I was in, and I was like, oh, okay, this is actually better. Honestly, that is such a good point because it's sunny here, but I work night shift and I have noticed how much better I feel when I get more sun. It's something I like have been deliberate about doing the last couple of weeks and your mood changes so much when you get the sun. There's really something to that. I know there's a lot of studies on that, but there is really something to that. I saw, this, I saw this thing one time that um, there's like, because it's the, it's the UV light, right? That is, is like what helps, I think, with the vitamin D production, which yes. is like a hormone. Yeah. So... There's these earbuds that you can have that you can put in if you have a hard time getting natural sun. I heard that there's earbuds you can plug in and it it stimulates the same type of thing. I don't know if it would help oh. as much, but I think it might mitigate some of the the because your cycle has to be such a mess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> well, yeah. I mean, it's kind of true to you not getting up in the northeast, not getting a lot of sun. Like it really does mess with you at a cer- after a certain point. So it's good to hear that you're getting more sun. And that I, I did live in the Northeast, so I do understand that. When the sun starts coming out, you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> Everyone's not that. And that's the thing. I, I think that's what gives the attitude of the Northeast is because we have such terrible weather for, for an extended period of time. And everyone's just kind of on top of each other. Yeah. And there's like the, the patience is very little in the winter. And then it just kind of bleeds into all the time. So. Yeah. Well, with the sun being out, do you have any plans for this weekend? Not too much, actually, which is exciting. Nice. So, yeah, I kind of like those weekends where it's just like kind of low-key and nothing really going on. And actually, the that is like, I mean, there's not many benefits to COVID, but I have actually haven't hated not having plan like not having plans all the time. It's been nice to kind of just have it be, be chill. Yeah, it's probably been nice, especially I know you're planning a wedding too. So that's probably been nice. You had more time to do that. Yeah, we're, we're pretty good. We're almost, we have a lot of this stuff kind of taken care of. We're providing like the alcohol and the food and all like the little stuff. So I think once it gets r- much closer to it, things yeah. will kind of ramp up again. Mm-hmm. But right now we're feeling okay. How how, is it, how are you guys along that line? I think it's lines? the same thing. There's like that initial, like, you have to make a bunch of decisions because you don't want to miss out on certain things. And then there's like this gap where you're like, okay, what do I do? And then it's going to get really busy, I think, like two months before. Are you feeling stressed? Like, I don't feel stressed yet. Uh, well, my mom's been helping a lot with the planning, so I think she's probably more stressed. But uh, no, I don't, I'm not really that stressed. I probably will be about two months before, but... Uh, the big thing is, like, we have to do a registry, and that has caused more anxiety than I think anything. <laughs> Are you guys, like, talking about what you need and what you want? Yeah, like- it's just hard to, like, ask people for stuff, you know? It's, like, weird. You're like, what, like, because there's stuff that you want, but you're like, that's kind of expensive. Do I ask people for that? Have you had that issue? <laughs> I have. I hate it. I like. Yeah. I, I don't want to do it at all. And we just we're just put a thing up for like a cash fund, like our, yeah, that's our, our, like our honeymoon type of fund. The honey even, fund. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and even that, I'm kind of like, uh, but 
It's just like part of the culture. It's like you just give people stuff. Yeah. And get. you know, like you're inviting them to your wedding and you're paying for their dinner. So you, I understand, like, but I've never been someone to ask people for stuff. So it's just really hard to be like, these are the things that I want. Buy them for me. <laughs> Same. So, but yeah. also, I'm never, I'm never begrudgingly giving someone a gift. I think I may yeah. have when I was a little younger just because I had less money. And also, there's yeah. like a ton of weddings just like back to back to back to back so i was like oh god this is just like killing me but i never was mad at the people for yes giving a gift so i'm trying to keep that in mind yes exactly oh that's good to hear well i want to get into this podcast because i podcast because i have so many questions for you um because i feel like the way we met each other um i think i knew a little bit about you you knew a little bit about me it was kind of through mutual friends and it was like oh this will work out you'll be a good fit i'll be a good fit um, but I feel like I've never really gotten to know your background. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm personally really excited to really get to know Rich and how you got to where you're at being such a knowledgeable resource in the sport. So I'm personally really excited to, for this. Cool. Uh, the first thing I kind of want to like go into is, um, the thing I love most about the sport of OCR is that it's kind of a melting pot of athletes. Um, you get people from all different backgrounds and everyone finds the sport for a different reason. Everyone stays in the sport for a different reason. What would you say, um, what part of your background, what's your athletic background, and how did you find this sport, and what has kept you in this sport? That is a, I like, I like how you put that, because it is just such a wide range, and there's not just yes. like one type of person that comes in, and mm-hmm. we're all pretty varied. Yeah. So I think just that I came at this as with an endurance background, and then I found the gym pretty close to it, like, well, like right after I was like a, a collegiate runner. So I kind of got right into the gym space. Okay. I found CrossFit around like 2011. I graduated college in 2008. So it was like kind of doing the running thing, doing doing some of the gym rat thing, like typical, you know, like chest day and, you know, back and buys type of stuff, you, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was doing a lot of that stuff. And um, then I kind of found some high intensity work that was more fun for me and then CrossFit. And then I was, uh, I was in... An athlete growing up, I played like basketball, football, baseball, all the whole deal. I played basketball throughout high school. So I always felt I was a little bit more athletic than just like a runner. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I try to tell myself. So once I saw these events kind of pop up, I just kind of felt like I was made and built to do them. But then when I started to do them, I was getting killed. Like I would get really like destroyed. And like the, like the, when I really got into it, it was like 2016. And I was, I'm, I'm looking back, I'm really happy that I wasn't completely demoralized and, and kind of like and went to find something else, which I think happens in this sport, mm-hmm. where if you come in and you think it's going to be easy, or you see with other high, high level endurance athletes, and then it's not, they seem to just kind of go back to where they kind of came from, because they've already made such development in that certain, certain sport. So it's like hard to really change the type of training. But I like the training, and I think that that really boils down to that. Like, yeah, I spend most of my time training. I don't race that much, and I just like it. And and so I didn't have any any problem changing things. I didn't really have any problem like diving even deeper into it, just trying to figure it out. So I think that was kind of like the staying power of things. Yeah. So what did you struggle with in the beginning, and what did you work on to change those things? <sighs> I didn't. I like. I didn't realize how different trail running and like mountain running was from just regular running okay like because like i could feel like any like flat course or just any type of like high-end like work rate things even like the crossfit stuff i'm like half decent at if it's not mm-hmm. super heavy or um so I, I didn't realize that there was a different skill involved with like the terrain and just like the hills i just figured fitness was fitness yeah and um it's not <laughs> you need to have specific stuff here and there. So that was a huge, huge struggle of mine. And that was also frustrating. I remember texting a buddy of mine who was also a runner and, and thinking about getting into Spartan races. And after my first one, which was Vernon in uh, like the Vernon Beast, which was like 13 miles. My volume wasn't high then. I was probably running you know, 25, 30 miles a week. But a 13-mile run to me at the time was still like, that's not that far. I remember texting him and being like, there was, it wasn't a run. It was a hike. This was no no running at all. It was just getting out there and just like really being broken up and just getting crushed. So yeah. the terrain was really, really tough. Um, so I didn't know too much about 
that world. Okay. And when, and from, for you, did you, did you, I mean, how did you find the trails? Like when did you get into like the, did you, were you good at trails right away? No, <laughs> no, I just, similar to you, I just, because I like the sport so much, I learned to be good at every aspect of the sport that made it. Um, I like you. I like the training more than anything. So, yeah. and you so have just, to love the training. I feel like to do this sport because there's so much that goes into it. Um, but one thing that you said, and I didn't really know this about you, to be honest, I figured you're a collegiate runner, but it's not, nowhere. I didn't really see that anywhere with your bios or interviews I've heard about you. So you were a collegiate runner. Where did you run at? And like, what was your, I don't know a lot about, I, I was never a track person or anything. I played soccer. So what was your like events? And uh, yeah. It's like a whole language. Like, yeah, I, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and like, I've always been like, a, as soon as I got into it, I started to be a real track nerd. I guess it's just like whatever I'm into. I just like really dive into and try to like yeah. learn everything about it. So I remember like being in high school talking with my track friends and my non-track friends would be around and it's just like, their eyes just gloss over and there's just like no understanding of what, like, what, what it's talking about. Um, so in high school, I was like more mid-distance, 800 mile. I ran 414 in high school, which was um, like a top 50 time in the country, which was like a, it was, I was third in the state that year. Um, so I was pretty good as a high school Low key. runner. Just, just kind of slip that in there. slide that in. Um, so it was, it was – and that's well playing basketball. So I didn't have a ton of mileage there. Okay. My training was pretty – was pretty – like low level, just kind of doing some court, doing doing some speed work on the track, and just kind of racing myself into shape. Yeah, is kind of how how like the high school program worked. But it was enough to get noticed by a Division one program down down here in Philadelphia, um, called St. Joseph's University. It's like okay, Atlantic yeah. Ten mid major stuff. So the basketball is pretty good. In in the yeah, mid- is that known for basketball or is that is there yeah. another one? Yeah, they're really bad right now st joe's i think they won oh. like two games they fired their longtime coach like two or three years ago okay. and they won like two games this year but when i was a fr- when i was a senior in high school their team was was the number one team in the nation they had like jameer okay. nelson and uh delante west okay who are like two pros and they were really good then so they know they're known for their basketball a little bit and the running's like decent you know so i ran there and then did like steeplechase i ran 908 in the steeplechase which is like good for like the conference. I was like third in my conference, um, as a junior wow. and it was like right at the, this like level of the regional race, which is kind of the qualifier into the nationals. And I was just like, right. Like the qualifying time was like nine Oh seven. I ran nine Oh eight, two years in a row. So like, it kind of puts me in the mid pack, like the okay. mid to upper pack of like of there. So I didn't have a tremendous amount of success as a collegiate runner. Um, and I think it's what kept me like kind of hungry. I've had I had a lot of high level runners who were teammates who just kind of finish, and then they're done. Like they don't they don't continue on. It's just they just finish, and they and it was just something that they did. But I really loved it. I, as yeah. soon as I got, as I got there, it's all I wanted to do in college was run and like learn about running and learn about the the sport more. Like the classes were secondary. <laughs> like yeah. I, didn't, I didn't go to college to to be a student. I went there to be an athlete. Um, and that just kind of became ingrained in me afterward. It was okay. like, okay, like this is something that I do have a passion for and I want to kind of continue to do. So I kept training and a lot of people don't after college because it's like a, it's a grind. Like they peaked and they're like, okay, I'm good. And it's just like, it's just so, it's just like damaging. Like, yeah, like all, like any, like, you know, like a collegiate athlete, it's, it's demanding, right? There's a lot, mm-hmm. th- a lot on your. It plate. becomes more of a job, and that's what I don't think people always uh, don't always understand with collegiate sports. It's not as much fun as it was before. It's like more of a job, and like so. it kind and 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 I think that it kind of should be right. Like you should be yeah. pretty serious if you're going to be yeah. at that level. Um, but it's not, and it's probably hard to not. It was definitely hard for me to not come into it and be at like a high level right away and trying to work my way through it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of times people just kind of burn themselves out or just don't, don't love it. They just happen to be good at it. Yeah. So something you said, um, about your collegiate careers, you feel like you, you feel like you didn't quite peak or get to where you wanted to be. If you like looking at it in the lens of the knowledge you have now, what would you say you were, you were lacking then? I think like, I mean, I wasn't ready to be an adult, I think was a huge part of it. Like I didn't, I didn't know what it was going to be like to be on my own. And like an 18 year old is an adult, 19 year old is an adult, but like I wasn't ready to like, to like 
be on my own, <laughs> even as yeah. much as college is. Was it so, just the kind of balancing? Because, you know, you are, even though you said you weren't focused on school, you were at St. Joseph is known as being a, like a tough academic school. Was it trying to balance that with the, the sport and like life or what, what about it? Just the maturity or yeah. Yeah. I think just uh, like not knowing how to do any of yeah. it. You know, yeah, and, and like you obviously figured it out, so you're doing great now. <laughs> it, like, yeah, it took took several several <laughs> years. I didn't like even through college. It was like it, it was hard, and like knowing what the resources, what I needed, and I didn't have much mentorship. I, if looking back, like the program wasn't right. The program wasn't yeah. the right fit for me, and I what I didn't know what the expectations were uh, to really succeed at the next level, and how things were going to change for me like my day to day, like my sleep is messed, messed up. My diet was messed up. Like my priorities were, weren't always crystal clear and it was just kind of me on my own. And I, I, I wish I had a little bit more guidance or a little bit more preparation for what that was going to be. Like if I look back at it, I would have, and like knowing what it takes, what kind of dedication it takes to really achieve at a really high level. Like, I don't think I quite knew that then. Yeah. Um, because like I said, in high school, it was just more about racing in the shape and just a little bit more on like the natural talent side of things where things just yeah. kind of went well. Um, and it wasn't ready to like, I thought I knew what hard work was, but I don't think I did then. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It is interesting how you've got like hearing your background. I never would have guessed that with the kind of athlete in person that you are now. So I am interested to hear how you transitioned from that to like running a business, a very successful business and having this awesome team and being a successful athlete. So what happened after college before reinforced, reinforced running, you got into the sport? Like what, what happened there? If you don't mind me asking. No, it's like, I appreciate the kind of words. And like, that is something that it took a while for me to really, like, I was embarrassed about it. Like I, I yeah. I'm not proud of like my collegiate experience or like who mm-hmm. I was even like as a post collegiate. And it took a while for me to kind of like forgive myself more or less mm-hmm. for like like wasting that time and so I didn't necessarily learn about myself and what I needed to do and and like what was going to actually make me happy until I got got out of school and then mm-hmm. didn't necessarily have the 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 structure and demands of of like education like that like formal education for me didn't work yeah you know it doesn't and work for a lot of people it I doesn't mean, yeah. yeah so and everyone about that everyone learns differently and sometimes like the very like that formal way we do college and everything just does not work for certain learning styles too so i just yeah. learned that 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 that's a thing like yeah maybe three or four years ago i was like yeah oh, <laughs> this is how i learn yeah uh, i i've had to figure that out too <laughs> what's, what's your learning style I have to be like very hands-on with things that I learn. I do not do well with reading. I don't do well with um, even like videos. Like I have to like see it and I have to go do it. So with nursing school, that was where I really learned. I can't just read stuff. I have to always be doing it or see like be uh, with it. So that's the way I learn, and that's why like with the sport, I had to learn by trial and error, which isn't always the best way. But what about you? Yeah, well, along those lines, like the application, right? Like the application yeah. is is where, especially like I find in like the health and fitness industry, like the application is yeah. really what's important because mm-hmm. you can know all the textbook stuff, you can read everything, but like knowing what's going to work from a practical sense, yeah. like you just have to screw it up, which is a hard way to learn. And it's yeah, you have not to fail, ideal. you have to fail and fail and fail and fail. Yeah. So it's got to be hard to teach someone to like lean yeah. on that as a teaching method, just because like what if the stakes are high or what if there's not, what if there isn't room for error, even though like there's going to have to be. Yeah. So like application I do think is, is, is critical, but like it's hard to like figure out how to formally put that in place, you know? Yeah. Um, for me, I mean, I like readings, no good. Um, lectures are the worst. Like I don't get anything from lectures. Like I can't even stand the thought of like going to class at all. It's just I went. I took an improv class like two or three years ago, and I didn't like it because it was class. I was like, I'm still in class. This is it wasn't even the same thing. It was just just because yeah. it's class. I didn't like being there. I didn't like I don't like that yeah. idea. Um, so for me, it's like writing and yes. spe- and speaking. So okay. if I if I speak, something is when things really start to ingrain, and then like then probably application after that. Is that so? Did you learn that three or four years ago when you really got the podcast going? Is that 
how that connected? Is that that you was that? I was I started to write more seriously probably about okay. like probably four or five years ago, and that's when things really started to click. And that's when I started to okay. really kind of feel like I was learning about the topics and the, and the subjects that I was researching and also more okay. about myself as well. Just being able to, even if it was just like journaling or like writing, okay. like writing anything like blog posts or like these emails and just kind of writing about myself and my experiences where things really started to kind of click that, oh, okay, like if I need to understand something, I need to be able to, to process it in a way that I can relay information mm-hmm. to the outside world. Um, internalizing it just, I can't, it doesn't stick. Yeah. And they say that's the best way to learn, obviously, is teaching other people or trying Mm. to simplify something. So that's kind of makes a lot of sense with your, how you started this podcast and how you're so knowledgeable now. It's, it really (laughs) is helpful. It's like, I just like, I hear, I, I hear people and then I kind of say what they just told me. And then I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, so even when I listen to podcasts, like I used to try to get a lot of information from learning from podcasts. And I know it's a great resource. But for me, like listening to podcasts is just like entertainment. I'm just like, yeah. it's like television for me now. I just kind of like turn my brain off. And that's kind of how it is. Because I know it's not like, it's not going to stick. Yeah. So there's, there's no, there's not like a, a, a real point for it. I always try it with podcasts because I'm similar to you. I try to take away like one or two things. Like I try to listen with the intent of going to take away one thing from this podcast and that has helped me pay attention better. Can you do stuff while doing that? Or are you like, because that's what I find if I'm not like, I can I can listen to a podcast or a, like an audiobook on a plane or something where yeah. it's like there's not a ton of other stimulus going on. But can you do other stuff and still have things kind of stick? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm actually, I think I learn better when I'm doing other things and listening to something. Mm. Like, I don't know, maybe it, it's also a woman thing. I feel like not to be like whatever gender stuff, but I feel like women tend to be better. Like when we're multitasking where men can really only do one thing at a time. That's supposed so, to be yeah. a real thing, right? Where it I is a real multi- thing. I don't yeah. care. What, that is a real <laughs> thing. <laughs> no matter what. I can't multitask for my life. And that's yeah. something else. Travis that. can't either. He's really good at doing one thing really well. But he cannot do that and something else. Yeah. It's and it, comical. <laughs> and I think that's along the lines of like the learning process is yes. that, is like creating space for myself where it's like just this thing that yeah. I need to do like right now. And if there's other things happening, it's just like everything's a mess. Like nothing yeah. gets done. That's exactly. Yeah. Sorry. Um, we diverted a little bit, but um, it was a good diversion. It was. It was the question that you asked was, was about what, what, like how did how – Right. Yeah. Or how did I find myself – in the position that I'm in now. Yeah. Um, and the formal education piece was just like, and I feel Not bad good. sometimes cause I slam against it so hard. It's like, I'm, I'm re- and, and I've had these thoughts now about like, cause secondary education is struggling, right? COVID yeah. is, is really going to, going to make these secondary education uh, institutions have a hard time and really kind of look at where they're spending their money and, and, yeah. and what kind of value they are actually giving and like, I don't think they're prevent- providing much value aside from the social stuff. I think socially is like a really valuable thing that does provide people who need to learn how to be operational people for society. I think there's a place for it for that, but not for $70,000 a year. No. <laughs> like it's yeah. just, it's just insane. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens after yeah. this. It's like the, even the school I went to, like St. Joe's is like a good school. Like it, but it's just really expensive, and the value that it provides isn't anything better than any other school that's around. So, to me, a school like that, it's so general as well. Like, there's nothing really specific about it, so you don't mm-hmm. leave with any like real like skill. It's like, yeah, why does this exist? Like, what do you? What is this? So, well, I think college a lot of time. Um, I mean, I obviously went to like a unique college, so like mm-hmm. my experience is probably a little different than other people. But that was and you I went think, to the, the Air Force. I went to Air Force right? Academy, so. I went there because of the opportunities. I don't. I think college is pretty much the same everywhere you go. I know people will argue with, argue with that with me, and I think some schools probably are harder. But I think for the most part, they're similar education wise. I think it's like the other things that the school provides is why it's important. But I do think colleges in general are like way overpriced for what they're providing. So maybe this will be a good thing <laughs> down the line. That, I mean, and like. Yeah. I, I kind of hope <laughs> yeah. know, just, just for the future generations yeah. that come up that because like the way that they, these like loans work and just like wh- how it puts ki- yeah. kids underwater for years trying yeah. to get themselves out, which the, the Air Force is also unique that way. Like you don't. Yeah. And I got paid. I got these awesome things, but it also came at a cost. So, but 
right. it was yeah but i don't have crazy loans like a lot of my friends do like some of my friends are still two hundred thousand dollars in debt yeah. and that's just hard to dig out of like because you, you it's harder to buy you can't buy your first home till later like you can't do a lot of things that you need to do because you're just so in debt so yeah Okay, so the I do want to ask, we were talking about it a little bit, but I, I really have wanted to know, I have kind of two questions with this, how you developed reinforced running, mm. what motivated you to start it? Because you were one of the first people in the sport to develop a podcast that was more educational based, you know, and it's mm-hmm. funny with your background that that's what you provide, but you do. And I know I've learned a ton listening to your podcast and what, what motivated you to start that podcast and what has kept you... With like coming out with great content week after week. Yeah, that's a good question. I've never been asked that question. Like, uh, I don't know if I've ever really thought about it that much because I've always been a fan of podcasts, I suppose. And I know content is important, like in yes. terms of credibility and like putting yourself out there and helping people and like having it in that sense, right? Like the idea behind the podcast is literally to help aspiring athletes prepare themselves better for whatever event they have coming up. And that's mm-hmm. most of the people who I'm I'm trying to talk to on the podcast are some sort of coach or if they're an athlete, they do have some sort of, of coaching background and mm-hmm. someone who has helped someone prepare themselves for the next level or, or, yeah. or have proven that they've like thought a lot about it and have put yeah. a lot of things to the test. Yeah, because your, your podcast is definitely not for beginner. I mean – you can be a beginner and listen to your podcast, but it's definitely you provide high level knowledge. Um, so you, you it, it does make sense with what you just said. You might be jumping in the deep end, right? And like sometimes yeah. people need that. It's like okay, like I might need to catch up on some of this stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> that people that they're talking about. Yeah. Um, but that that is the idea. It's like being being informative and and letting people who want to sink their teeth into it as much as they can, like have a route for that. And even if they take something from it and then go research it online somehow and, and just like hoping to inspire people to like branch yeah. out of, of, and like take ownership of, of their, of their training. Um, cause I've found those two podcasts were really valuable for me coming up and through. And I know there's a, a spot for that and there is people who are going to be thirsty to learn a lot about it. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a lot about that and it wasn't necessarily even about like, like the, like it is all marketing, right? Like yeah. most of the time, like anybody who has some sort of podcast, typically it's going to be about like marketing some sort of service or mark or, or or getting their name out there. It's going to be really hard for anyone to make any type of money on this. So it wasn't really about yeah. that. And when it actually started, it was I had brought a coach on, and he wanted to help with content, and he okay. thought the best way that he could help was through like just conversations. And mm-hmm. I had always had the idea of like starting a podcast type of thing. And it's like, all right, cool. Now there's someone else is here with me. Like we can just get it going. Um, and then just with the schedules of things, um, it would just didn't necessarily work out. And so I, I found it was much easier for me to just kind of take the reins and just kind of go with it. Yeah. And then <laughs> like, I think some podcasts do say this, like I feel like it's almost like, an excuse for me to be able to talk to people that I want to talk to and kind of pick their brains. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what information does this person have and how can I bring this to my audience, but also bring it to myself? You know, yeah. I've learned, I've learned a lot just from being on the oh, podcast. Sure. So they're like where I started and where I am now in terms of my education and the knowledge about this sport is, is, has grown so much. So it's really helped me become a better coach as well, which is my primary income source and my primary business and like yeah so it's twofold right it's like it's really helped me develop myself and and it's for the people of this sport because and this is something that is along the same lines of, of torque is like i want to do whatever i can to to push the sport forward mm-hmm. and i think with torque it's kind of what we're doing we're all banding together and we're all these athletes who as athletes the best we can the best thing we can do to help push the sport forward is get good results right and like yeah um, create compelling narratives around the sport. And as a coach, it's the same thing, like generating interest and generating um, like knowledge around how to really do this to give it a little bit more credibility. Yeah. So I think that's kind of where it is now. It's like, this is just for the sport to help kind of push this, these things forward. And that's what keeps you motivated with it. So I'm assuming you had the coaching program 
And then you developed the podcast after you had a mm-hmm. coaching program. Okay. Yep. It started, I started just cause everyone it's, it honestly started just like any type of online business, like get content, do blogs, do this, do that. And like, then that's when I really started writing. I kind of had like yeah. email lists and kind of creating that and like writing to that. And then, uh, I always knew I enjoy talking to people. So I was like, yeah, like, let's just, let's give it a spin. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's try it that out. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And when then, did you start? Oh, sorry. I no, go ahead. When did you start Reinforced Running, your coaching program? I think 2015. Okay. 2015. Yeah, it's like a side. So you went as, as a side. And as then when side. did you go full-time with it? 2018. Okay. Or No, 2019. Yeah, okay. so I went... So it's a little bit... Okay. Yeah, it's not... It's still pretty new in terms of going full-time because that's a... a a it's a big, big jump. It's for a big sure, leap. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and and when I was doing it on the side, it was I was also I was in the fitness space. I was working as a, a fitness instructor, personal okay. trainer, and um, working on the side. So that was just like the grind. Um, yeah. That that the fitness industry grind, man. It's like early in the morning, late at night, and then just like trying to cram anything you can in the middle. Uh, that's kind of what I was doing with it. Yeah, because you have to work around people's schedules and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And when did you start the podcast? April of 2000 and that may have been 2019 as well. Okay. Yeah. Maybe they kind of, they may have. Kind yeah. You kind of, that makes sense. You went full time and then really started the podcast. You had more time to I do had more it time. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That does sound right. I think that is right. Yeah. Cause I think there's a hundred, there's 140 episodes now. Wow. And some have been twice a week now with the torque talk stuff. Um, there was a time during COVID where I was trying to put out two times a week just because like, again, people had time. Yeah. Um, so and yeah, I know I think- you switch. I remember listening to a podcast and you said you switched cause you wanted to just do one a week and make it really quality. Is that, did I hear that right? Yeah. That yeah. started to be, it started to just be a grind. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. And like yeah, between pr- like finding the right people to interview and then editing after, I'm sure that was like so much work. Then the, pr- the preparation is like where I spend a lot of the time. Like the editing is, and I have some help with the editing now. A friend of mine, Chase Craft, helps me with that. So he has done a great job and it's taken a big load off my shoulders. But um, the, pre- the prep takes some time because I want to like try to learn about who I'm talking to and, and what yes. angles we want to go into. And um, so that takes, a, that takes a while. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we did talk a little bit about torque and obviously I'm on the team, so I do understand the the concept behind it. But one thing I never, I guess I just want to dive in a little bit more into was really where this idea came from. And I know the teams you've talked about, but when did that become, oh, that's like a cool idea to like, I'm going to make this happen now. What, what, what was that like motivator? Yeah. This is something I think about a lot, but again, I haven't really spoke, spoke spoke it out loud yeah. um so i actually well, here's your chance thank you i actually uh so i interviewed for a, a job it was the first job i like, interviewed for in in several years since i went you know solo with reinforced running but it was for a club here in philadelphia and they're looking for a, a club coach and they're really high level athletes that were going to be there and i went to the the i went through the interview process and it went okay and then i realized like I don't want to coach or, or be involved in just like running like this. You know, I was like, I was like, I don't need to be part of a team that already exists. I was like, there's space here in an OCR to like, just do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, all right, well, let's just see like how, what kind of interest there, there is for something like this. Yeah. So, and I don't know. Uh, and like, then, then like the 10 minute elite, the, um, North, Northern Arizona Track Club. Oh, that's I read a book. I read this book called. Um, you read a book? I read a no, book. <laughs> we don't read books. No, read it all the way through, cover to cover. Um, and I actually did learn something from this one. It was uh, it was I forget what the exact title was, but it's a it's um, Scott it's it's Scott Fobble and his coach. Um, they basically wrote about Ben Rosario was the coach's name. They wrote and documented every week of of Scott Fobble's training as he was preparing for the New York city marathon in like 2017 or 18 or something like that. So Scott would write down like everything he was feeling during the week. And Ben would write down what he was thinking on the coaching side of things and how he's kind of coaching this whole group of runners. Oh, and wow. it just really made me understand like, okay, like this is what like elite level athletes are doing to get to that next level. And like mm-hmm. they, they spoke about this team a lot and it really gave some good insights all about this team. 
and I was like, this should exist. Like this should exist in, in the OCR space. And I think right now it's hard to justify it because there's not a ton of money behind OCR, mm-hmm. you know? So that's something else I, I thought, and this is kind of goes back to like starting the podcast and going out on my own in terms of reinforced running is that like, you can just do stuff, you know, like you don't yeah. need to, to, to wait for anything to be right. And yeah. you don't necessarily even need a plan. Cause I waited and tried to make plans for a long time. It would just be frozen. And just like, again, it's not the, like, like you, like the learning part doesn't take place on paper on, yeah. it takes place in the application. So it's like, what harm would come from, from seeing if this is going to work or not? Like, let's just see. And then just like, I reached out to a couple people, um, Mark Audet, who introduced us, and, and Nick Riker and, and Josh Reed, who are just like friends of mine mm-hmm. in in the space, and I was like, what, "What do you guys think?" And they're like, "Sounds cool. Like, let's let's do it." And I was like, "Okay." Then just that little bit of a little bit of that affirmation and a little bit of that momentum kind of got behind it to like yeah. really see. Once we kind of we kind of spoke about it, kind of kind of became real, and I was like we can do and that's something i think about a lot too is like we can do whatever we want <laughs> like yeah. we can just do anything um as long as people are on board so there definitely seemed to be a need for it just because or some sort of demand for it because most people i talked to were were in they were like this yeah. sounds great it sounds really cool so there was there was some sort of gap there for for us the athletes and something that we wanted um and yeah and here yeah. we are something i love that you said and like i i try to do this in my life too but sometimes you want to plan, 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 but you plan so much that you never actually do the thing that you were trying to plan or you talk yourself out of it. So I think it's so important. Sometimes you just have to like go see what happens. And if you fail, you fail. Um, and yeah. the, I don't know if you've ever heard the, uh, I'm sure you have the man in the arena. I'm not sure. It's not the critic who counts, you know, nor no, the man who t- oh. t- tell me more. Uh, well, it's basically the man in the arena. It's, uh, it was by a, I'm forgetting his name now. Oh my God. I'm going to read it because it's like one of my favorite quotes, but I don't want to say it wrong. Um, give me a second. Yeah, we're good. And But what you just said reminded me of it. I've had it by Teddy Roosevelt. Mm. And I have it on the background of my phone a lot of times because it reminds me sometimes you just have to like take chances with stuff. Um, it's like it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there's no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end of triumph of high achievement, and at the worst, if he fails, at, at least he fails while daring greatly, so his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never know victory nor defeat." Yeah. And, like, I have this quote on the back of my phone, and what you just said totally reminded me of that. And, like, what you just said totally inspired me personally because you kind of took a chance with this team, and I personally feel so grateful to be on this team, and I can totally see what we're going to do moving forward. And it was just because you kind of took a chance. So, um, bravo to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Seriously. you. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that quote is is amazing. It's, like, I hope to be that person because, like, you know, yeah. I, I've been the critic. You know, yeah, and, and and I've and you judge and you're like, oh, they could have done like this, but at least you're doing it, and mm-hmm. that person's doing it, so. right? And I think that yeah. it, it's easy to to identify with the critic and with the with the person from the outside who doesn't want to to change or to take risks because it's it's it it's safer, right? It's just yeah. it's where we want to be. Feeling safe is is is, is comforting, yeah, and. So I hope to be that and like fight that some, yeah. Um, and I think it's helped to be out on my own with with reinforced running just because I know that I have to swim and yeah. and like I, I'm doing okay <laughs> at yeah. at swimming and, and like treading and, and getting along. That like it just sh- it just shows like that there is possibilities that are out there. You know, it's like yeah, not to, not to be cheesy, but like things could be endless. But like, you can do whatever you want. Like yeah, if you if you try. Yeah. No, that's something, that's the way I try to live my life. And I see a lot with you and I see it a lot of times with people in this sport because it is such a unique sport. And I know I've been made fun of in like workplaces because I do this silly mud sport, but I'm like, it makes me happy. I have great friends. I am in great shape. I'm like, go ahead and make fun of me, but at least I'm doing something. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's great. And I, I love that you started this team. I love the reason behind the team and, where do you see, I mean, in a perfect world, where would you like to see this team go? 
if you could like create the perfect narrative, which obviously won't may probably won't happen, but if you could, what would that look like? Yeah, and I've looked at this like trying to figure out like like what's this what's the story we're we're in and like where are we in the story, right? Like and right now we're like right in the beginning of, of torque obviously, but of the whole sport of OCR, like yeah. we are just in the infancy of things and and I did a lot of research like trying to figure out where we were in this story in the beginning and I just kind of went back and like looked at the timelines for other professional sports and like basketball in particular, right? It took, and this is, uh, this is like in the 1920s and like forties where information moved slower. So things were just slower then, but it took like 20 years for like real leagues to get together. And for this, it took from the inception, which was like 1908, I think until like 19, like fifties until like there was really an avenue for people to be professionals in this. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of like the launching pad and like there there were a lot of leagues that came and went and teams that came and went and, and things that people tried and like it's a really big vast like future of, of possibilities that are out there like positive and negative for this sport. So I think we're just right in the beginning and we're, we're going to be one of those teams that are testing things out. So mm-hmm. ideally uh, it would be kind of like a farm team like that would come in and if people did want to become professional in obstacle racing like torque would be a a way that they could come and have the resources that would provide them a profession whether that is by introducing them to sponsors or creating some sort of of lifestyle that would be a little bit more sustainable even like the 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 clubs like Northern Arizona Elite, or like the Barman Chuckle, like they like live in the same area, you know. Mm-hmm. So like that would be cool, like having like a home base, yeah. Where it's like a, like a training hub that you know people can come to if they do want really want to commit to something. And so there's that, and there's like you know ways to to provide support that I, that I foresee if like a, the coaching business does take off to a point, and like maybe Tor could even be under their belt, so it could provide people who do want to be in the space and learn about. Um, coaching and the sport more to kind of learn how to be a coach in this or even just like an agency you know like helping provide opportunities for for the uh the athletes themselves so i i see there's like three or four different ways that it could go and just being open to whatever whatever happens and i mean the sport needs to work first and i think we can help it work and push it forward and then whichever direction that that goes and um, if there's money that comes in, that's great. Like if, if it's just for the people who are in it to continue to push themselves, like that's also great, but we're just so new that yeah. it's, hard, it's hard to really tell. It's okay. hard to, yeah. Cause you don't know. There's so many things that could happen, but it is fun to have like some visions. Cause then you can, you know, when you are thinking of things, sometimes you start looking for things that are attracted to that thing. And then more opportunities open up. So, and I look, I look at at CrossFit a lot. Like, I feel like they yeah. are like a little bit ahead of us and a little bit bigger than us in in terms of sport and demand. Mm-hmm. And there seems to be some teams that, and like some agencies that are kind of popping up that do exist that help the athletes, mm-hmm. um, which is promising. Um, yeah, but it's just going to take a little bit of time. Where, yeah. where, where do you see it? Do you think about? I mean, I think about this all the time. Yeah, but do you? What do you think? Like, it could be. Um. Well, for me, I, what I see it as right now is like it's really helped me because I ask a lot of questions with other people on the team. So it's really helped me um, just become a better athlete. So that's what I've seen it as. I haven't seen like thought of it like super long term yet. But um, I, like even thinking about going to races this year, I got really excited. Like going to World's Toughest Mudder and there's like three people on the team who may be there. And I'm like, that's like so cool. We can like work together maybe even run laps together at times. And I'm like, that's like cool that we have this like team now to do that. Yeah. Of like people who kind of compete at a similar level. Um, but yeah, there, I just see there is so many opportunities. So I think that's why everyone you talked to was like, yes, because you just, there's so many things that this could turn into. Right. And that's like ideal. Like for, yeah. for, for, for me to hear that, it's like, well, I just, this is, it helps me become a better athlete. It's like, yeah, perfect. <laughs> that's exactly No, it has. Result. It has. Seriously. <laughs> Um, Because you have to pick people's brains who are really good at different things. Because everyone on the team, I kind of see this person's really good at this in particular. And this person's really good at this. They're good at a lot of things, but like, this is the thing I see them as. Mm -hmm. Um, So I reach out to them for like that advice. It's mostly been Lauren, Mark and Josh, but it's because they were similar. So you ultra yeah. ultra people, yeah. Well, ultra ultra weird people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna try to get out to 
wherever pe- people are like if it's world stuffest or if this yeah. one i'm gonna try to go for for crew reasons i'm, I'm yeah. trying to look at it because that'd be, it'd be super fun yeah um so to kind of change the subject but i really want to talk about this i think it's so important right now um i do i know you're coming off of an injury and i have seen a lot of people i don't know if you've noticed this but i've seen a lot of people struggling with injuries right now um I don't know if just the people I follow, but it just seemed like a lot of people are, are going through injuries, just coming off of an injury or like kind of dealing with a little injury. Um, and one thing I know we were talking through your injury. Um, one thing I admired how you dealt with it. And I don't know if this is how you actually felt, but it seemed like you were very careful about how you went back to running and you took it really slow. And I feel like runners tend to really struggle with that. I do know you have an extensive background in running, so maybe it's your experience with it that you know how much to push it. But how? what was that process like, and how are you so deliberate about that process? Yeah, and I think right now, because, yes, I've been hurt quite a bit. This is my first time I've been hurt in probably five or six years, so I had a really good run at it, which was great. But I do understand because I've been running for so long. I mean, I started running when I was 15. I'm 35 now, so I've been not yeah. – it's – 20 years of of like knowing how time kind of passes and yeah. i think that's really been helpful is just okay. being older and a little bit more patient because and i actually think 2020 helped me with this as well where there was no real races but there was okay. but time still kind of moved forward yeah and everything was fine so just like knowing that i had a certain amount of time away from it doesn't didn't change anything in my life okay you know because it seems like when in the past where I would kind of rush back, it was to try to get prepared for something or a race or something. Right. Yeah. And so having a full year without races, it was just like, it just kind of dawned on me. It's like, okay, like I don't need to race, you know, but I do need to like, make sure I get better and feel better. And and with this injury, it was, and what was injury? Cause I, I know not everyone knows if you don't mind sharing. Of course. Yeah. I didn't talk about it too much just cause like, I don't, I don't know. Like I I wasn't as affected by it as I thought I would be. Like when I thought about it in the past, I thought I'd be like really, really like devastated if I got like, like really hurt. Yeah. But I was like, okay with it. Um, and I came, I'm, I'm coming out of it like feeling better everywhere, which is nice. I gave myself like an actual break. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what happened, but I had a, some incredible glute, glute pain. Like I couldn't like stand on one leg. I couldn't run at all. Like I could barely walk in the beginning. Um, and just, I went to the PT and of course they told me it was weak glutes. Um, so I was like, great, great, great diagnosis there. Same, same as every runner. Um, but then I, I like just doing independent research and talking to people. It was something in my SI joint or it was something in my sacrum. Like, okay. I thought for sure it was like a, a stress fracture in my sacrum. And I talked to, um, Bailey Kowalczyk, who was on the show a little bit before, and she had done that twice. She had okay. a stress fracture in her sacrum. And so she actually helped me out a lot. Like I had talked to her huh. a lot about like, how was it supposed to feel? Like how, what's it like coming back? Um, and so for me, it was really cut and dry when yeah. I could run and when I couldn't run just cause the pain was there, mm-hmm. which can be tricky sometimes with soft tissue stuff. Like if it's like your Achilles or like your hip flexor, like it hurts sometimes it doesn't hurt other times. So it's easy to kind of push through and kind of set yourself back. But for me, I would just kind of run until it started to hurt and that would stop. And then I would just not try to push anything beyond it because I knew how bad it was like it could really be. Okay. So I think that was kind of a byproduct of the actual injury. Um, just because it was so clear, like when I couldn't run, yeah, because I know a lot of people struggle with that because they want to push it. Because everyone, you know, I want to push through it, you know, and you push through the pain. But with injuries, you have to be very delicate with that. Um, and I know mentally that's so tough for runners. I haven't had a huge injury, knock on wood, but I've had little injuries. And I know mentally you're like, well, I'm not running. How is this going to affect me? How, you know, and it, you kind of get in your head. And sometimes that's like the hardest part. But it sounds like you dealt with that pretty well. But I know that's not always the case. Yeah. So it helped yeah. it helped that there was no races. It helped yeah. that it was the winter time up here. So yeah. I wasn't dying to go outside and run. Um but yeah, it's like the worry of losing fitness mm-hmm. is is definitely there, right? Like you work so hard to get to this one point, it takes a long time to get good at endurance training. Um so when you're there, you're like, Okay, I gotta capitalize. Yeah. But you can come back. It's not like you start from scratch and, and the way it feels when you start from scratch, you're not gonna go all the way back to what it was like when you first started running. Like your fitness is going to hang around, especially if you take care of things like cross training wise, like you'll never go back to where the beginning was. And I think that that's something where just 
for me anyway, it's like I when in the past when I really pushed it, I was like, I can't not be like in this fitness because it's taken so long. I can't go back. Yeah. Um, but that's not the case. You know, you see it over and over too. Yeah. So what advice would you give someone who's going through an injury um, with your experience and how, I mean, obviously you're dealing with it really well. So what advice would you give someone who's going through an injury now, who's not sure how much to push it? What would you tell them? And this is, this is something that's like been back and forth too, right? Cause you want, yeah. especially as a coach, like I want to provide people with, with value, but really the most valuable thing is just stopping. It's just yeah. like making sure you take care of it, like getting through the pain as opposed to like running one day and having it hurt and then running the next day and it, it's worse. And then try, like just doing that cycle back and forth, like just yeah. ag- aggressively taking care of it to the point where there is no pain is, is like as simple as it sounds, it's not that easy to do. Um, no. So I would really just recommend like just stop. You know, as like, it, it, you wish that there was a better way to kind of do it, but there. Stop, let it heal. Stop and let it heal. There's more time. We have time. Yeah. You'll get fit again. Um, and and if there, you know, there's different reasons why people want to run, right? Or to, to, to train is like, is it a stress relief thing? Is it like, what are you trying to get out of it? And trying to figure out what it is that you are gaining from training outside of like the physical aspect. And then just making sure you have have some sort of replacement for it or something that you're, you're acknowledging changed in your life and trying to just know it's going to be different. Yeah. So along those lines, I mean, I wish it was yeah. better. I wish it was better. I wish it was no, that's a great answer. I mean, I think people just need to hear that more often. Yeah. I know I do. I mean, I'm lucky I have someone who in my life is really good at being like, stop, let it heal, take two days, and then like come back and you'll be fine. Um, and sometimes people just need to hear that. So I'm glad you said that. It's hard. Yeah. Thank <laughs> yeah. You. Um, so yay, you're like starting to get better through injury. So yeah. I do know you have a race coming up, uh, DECA. I did listen to your podcast with Jack Bauer. So I feel like I understand DECA a little bit better, but I think, you know, like our learning styles, I'm someone who needs to actually go race to understand right. and you're similar to that. So, um, how have you been training for DECA? Uh, what has been your priority in training and what, what have you found like this isn't, I'm not as worried about this, but I'm really focused on these one or two, three things. Mm. What are those? Yeah. So now that I'm healthy, I'm like running again, but I'm being cautious about the volume. And I think typically if I would go after an event like this, I would really try to spend time trying to create the stimulus that it's going to feel like in the back half of the race. Um, and this is going to be somewhere in that like 29 to 35 minute like range, which would kind of be like 10 K feeling. So like the back end is going to be like really hard. So like I would typically try to spend a lot of time running, you know, three or four minute intervals that are going to be like sub 5k pace just to really kind of get that response and, and try to like handle it. But for this time, like I don't have that urgency. I don't have the volume built up to really handle those type of, of workouts. So I'm going to spend a lot of time just working on strength and working on power stuff. I did okay. a DECA strong, which is everything without the running. And there was some things like the assault bike that beat me up really bad. The sled wasn't very easy. So I was like, I just need to get stronger on these. So it's going to be a lot about spending time creating a very, as much power as I can within that much time and focusing back on kind of the fundamentals of running form and running efficiency and just making sure my, my stride is in an appropriate spot to, so that when I do get stronger, that I'm putting myself in a mechanical spot that I can use the the power during running. Yeah. Um, so it's looking like things like short sprints, like 50, 60 meter sprints, just like five or six of them all out, a lot of rest in between for my running and maybe okay. doing like some hill sprints for the same reason, just kind of creating power, kind of creating efficiency. And then a lot of the work I'm going to be doing is going to be on the assault bike. Do you, do you ever mess with the assault bike? Yeah, it's tough. It's, it's, it's rough. <laughs> if you do the assault bike right, you see people at the gym doing the assault bike and you're like, you're not doing it right. Mm-mm. No, you got to <laughs> yes. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, it's brutal. So I think a lot of the response with the physical part that's going to be in the race is going to okay. um, be on the bike just because like the volume that I can handle isn't going to be too much on the running end of things, just kind of bouncing back. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I really want to do approaching this race is not needing it to be perfect yeah. just kind of coming in and and just wherever i'm at which is something that you kind of been doing this year as well just yeah like, like a training race right like yeah. a training race and taking it yeah. for that and, and reminding myself that that's what this is yeah um 
because a lot of times I'll get wrapped up and be like, I need to do well. I need to kind of like yeah. crush this thing. Prove myself ready. and right? I need to, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. So um, that's going to be kind of the main thing and like being at the race, not necessarily worrying about the outcome of things and just like yeah. giving my, like having a plan, sticking to the plan, pushing myself as much as I possibly can within the moment that I'm in and not rushing to get myself to a place where I feel like I should be to perform well. Yeah. Just like performing well with however I show up. There's so much value, in my opinion, and I've learned that this year, to doing training races. I did it when I first came in the sport, but that was before I had ever done well in the sport. I don't know if you can hear the plane. I live right near, I live right near, like, Travis's base. There's three F-16 squadrons, and there's always F-16s flying over. I thought it was something I was like, because I live right on our busy street. I was like, that doesn't sound like a regular. I saw saw a reaction. I was like, yeah, that's, I mean, you're so used to it when you live here, but, like, other people are like, what is that? (laughs) Sorry. No, it um, works. <laughs> I don't know. Can you hear me well enough? Or no, it's fine. Yeah, okay. No, it's fine. <laughs> um, lost my train. You were off. saying the value oh, of training, training races. races. Yeah. Um, I did it when I first came in the sport, but I'd never done well in the sport. I think it training races are harder once you've like done well, like podiumed, because you're like, I need a podium all the time now. And then you kind of get away from doing the training races because you feel like you have this expectation where you have to win or do well everything that you do. And I've tried to go back to doing training races this year because there's so much value in just doing a race with just a focus and not worrying about the outcome. And I think it definitely helps you for races down the line because sometimes you're so, when you race, you just, your mindset's differently than if it's a training session. Um, And there's a lot you can get out of doing a race as training. There's like a lot you can get out of it, in my opinion. I I don't think everyone agrees, thinks that, but I I definitely think there's a lot of value in doing a race hard, but seeing it as a training race. So for and a piece of advice for me, like what, how are you, do you feel yourself sliding back into needing to perform well in these or are you, have you been able to like really have it cut and dry? Like, no, this is a training race. Uh, I, it wasn't cut and dry the first race that I did and I went out too hard, which is the thing I was trying to practice not to do. And then I blew <laughs> up at the end and I was like, I wrote it down. Like I've been kind of like taking notes on things and just reminding myself. So I went into the next one. I was like, pacing my whole goal on this is pacing so I went out slower and then tried to go faster at the end which is what I what I felt like was my strength when I first came into the sport but I got away from doing that and so this last race was just like pacing and then add in the nutrition thing so mm-hmm. I'm still practicing the pacing and then I'm, I'm adding something each time but it's definitely hard and you have to be very deliberate about it and I don't look at this the rankings like what place I'm in and that has helped a lot because sometimes when you look at that you're like well, I'm in like second, like maybe I should like go faster, but it's like, no, that's not what this is. And like, I'm using this for something down the line. And that was like one of the first ones you did, you were like, yeah, it went, went fairly well, like this, that, this, that. And like, you didn't say anything. I think like two days later, I was like, how did you do? And you're yeah. like, I actually don't know. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, I, I don't. I looked up the I, results. I went and found I was, I can't, <laughs> I didn't do well, I, I, but I don't want that to be what I'm focused on because the races that I do, it's not really about how fast you are really it's how consistent you can be and how consistent you can be for a long period of time mm-hmm. and i so i try to keep that in mind when i'm training but you know the races i do are a little different than what other people do like you probably have to actually be fast at the races you do for me it's there's a lot more that goes into it and I, it's not just about being fast so. right there's a lot of skills you got to like practice throughout and so like yeah it's cool you're able to kind of separate that like that's what i'm really hoping i'm able to do yeah for this first one because it's something because you want to be nervous you want to have all the things but i think going into it you might actually even do better than you would have had you been super nervous because you're putting a little less pressure on yourself um yeah you might actually pace yourself the right way and not go out too hard with the training you're at and you might it, it might actually work out to your benefit too and that's what i'm hoping like if i could just execute to where i am currently yeah and like that will be a successful race right is like and trying to, and asking myself that, like, what is a successful race yes. today? Like, it, 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 and place aside, like, if you get first, if you get 12th, like, what would be successful outside of that? Um, what is that for this race for you? Yeah, I think it is just going to be about, like, having a plan and executing the plan no matter what's happening mm-hmm. around me. And, like, even if I'm starting to second guess the plan, like, midway, like, if I'm not where I need to be or if I find myself in a different spot than where I thought I was. Like it's still just staying the course and, and maintaining and like really not worrying about the competition at all. Like I just yeah. don't want to react. I don't want to be pulled in any direction. Like I want to trust myself and, and execute. 
I think that's what what it's going to be. That's awesome. Hopefully. I love that you actually asked me that question once in one of our first one of the interviews we did, and I it's actually helped me going into races. Is what what does a successful race look like to me? And that has honestly, you giving me that advice has helped me a lot going into all my races. Because I'm like, like, what do I want to see myself? What do I want to, what do I want to see at the end of this race? Like, what, what would be success? And it's not always the placement. And I don't think it should be the placement because that's so, it's so dependent on other things. Like, you can't always control if somebody who's crazy good comes out there. Like, are you going to then not feel good about your race because of that? Like, I don't really think it's always successful. And I think when people get wrapped up in that, uh, they stop enjoying the sport. (laughs) And those are the trappings that happen. And that's what happened for me going back to my collegiate career even it's like okay if i wasn't winning if i wasn't doing well like what like what am i doing here like where is my value as a person if i'm not racing well which is not even close to the same thing but yeah and then you start deep diving because then you lose confidence and lose confidence you don't train as hard and then when your mindset's all and it just it's kind of like a downward spiral when you start focusing on the wrong things the comparison yeah like so that's yeah. the one thing like just not worrying about the comparison to others and like that's what i've been really eager to try to that's what i'm looking forward to competing the most is not necessarily of the competition with other people and seeing how my training has put me in, in a fitness position to like win an award or something is just to see if i can execute well on yeah. this side of things. So that's like what I'm most looking forward to this that's year. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so you're seeing this as a training race. What are, what are some of the races you have on your calendar this year that are more your A races, I'd say. So I got to figure this out because okay. <laughs> this is, a, a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, because like you, I'm also getting married this year and there's, it's, there's going to be events that are going to yeah. happen throughout the year where that that's going to be the priority. And it's going to like, it's going to be really hard to train and execute on training, execute on racing to the standard that I want to for say like an A race. So I got to figure out like what, what makes sense to be an A race and then point a lot of things toward it. Um, I do want to do some high rocks. Um, I'm a little concerned about that sled. I'm trying, I'm trying to push it, but, um, it just seems heavy. Yeah, <laughs> I just need to get. I just need to get stronger. You need to figure it out. Um, so I need. I do want to try th- that, which is similar to a Deca, but just like a little bit heavier, a little bit longer. The running's longer, which would be good for me. But the the, the, the sled just seems like an undertaking. Um, yeah. And then I don't know. Palmerton in July would again kind of be like a good jump off race, just to get back into some Spartan stuff. Um, and there's a chance that I'll be on the West Coast for when Tahoe will happen, which will be the North American Championship. So from a Spartan perspective, if I'm going to like have one big race, it'll probably probably be Tahoe. Okay. Um, and that might kind of wrap that kind might kind of wrap it up. Okay. So I'm not sure. And I don't know like and I think Yeah, what else do you throw in and yeah. yeah, I think like the Deca and High Rocks events are really slow playing it. I think yeah. they're not not pushing too far out into the future just cuz they've had to cancel so much stuff. Um, yeah. So if something like that pops up, like if there is a High Rocks World Championship or there's like a, a DecaFit North American Championship, um, something like that, I'd, I'd want to be able to kind of pivot toward. Okay. So you're going to be kind of always ready for anything, but kind of focusing more on the High Rocks Deca stuff. And that's on that's yeah. on the agenda this weekend. I talked to my fiance. I was like, hey, can we sit down and like – and this is actually helped – this is advice from some Torque people. It's like, why don't you sit down and talk about it and like map out the season and see what's going to be doable. Yeah. So we're going to sit down. I'm going to look and be like, okay, there's like – potential bachelor party this weekend potential like trip this yeah. weekend like wedding stuff like this whole block so when is a good time to travel when's a good time to like yeah. allocate my time and stuff like that so yeah no, that's good advice for we'll sure. see we'll see yeah <laughs> um yeah that's the big questions i had for you is there anything that i didn't touch on that you've kind of always wanted to share in a podcast not not really i mean that was awesome okay. that was that was great i had, had a ton of fun so yeah. i'm just looking forward to to the DECA stuff, the, the next race is May 21st, I believe. So I have about five or six weeks to, okay. to prep for it. And um, so I'll just, yeah, just getting back out there and, and just seeing what, what Torque's going to be. We have Mark Gaudet racing in Charlotte. And um, when's your next race? Soon, right? Uh, I'm do, I might do Tougher Mudder next week. Next, next week. You're going to do Tougher or Toughest? Tougher. There, it's, there's just a Tougher. It's in Atlanta. Oh. But I work, so I have one day off. <laughs> It's kind of a bold strategy, but I, I was gonna after work drive to Atlanta, sleep that night, and race, for you, and for you work drive is... back, and then work that night. 
So it's kind of a bold strategy, but I really want to do Tougher Atlanta because that's where the last World's Toughest Mudder was, where all this stuff happened. And I just like want to go and do it. I already signed up for it, but um, I'm mentally like going to do it. But we'll see. I also have my bachelorette party next week. So oh, nice. In Vegas. Oh, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <You're gonna laughs> so we'll see how I feel after that, too. <laughs> you can go check out the world's toughest course out there. Yes. To the tougher from mm-hmm. Atlanta. So, yeah. yeah. For, and for you, it's like you're going to be up all night and then race in the morning is what you're saying. Yeah. Right? Be up, so I'd work Thursday night. And so Friday morning, I drive to Atlanta. It's kind of crazy. And then the race would be Saturday morning and then oh, I'd okay. work Saturday night. Oh. Yeah. So. That's where we'll it would get a little sticky. Yeah. Eh, it'll be fun. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Hopefully there'd be like delivery so it'd wake me up. So Yeah. 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 Um Cool. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's all on my end. Yeah. Cool. cool. Well, it was great talking to you, Rich. You're an amazing person. You're an amazing athlete, and I feel really lucky to get to know you better and be a part of this team. Thank so. you so much, Ed. Thank you for all that you do. Super fun. Yeah, thank you. Yeah.